Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas, a podcast for mamas created by mamas. We discuss ancestral food, cooking, feeding our families, and holistic living with the everyday modern mom. We are Corey and Christine, two mamas on a mission to nourish our families holistically while keeping it real in today's crazy world. Follow us on this adventure and enjoy the stories and information we share. welcome to the episode. All right. So really quick before we get started, I wanted to warn you that there is some um, audio mm, glitches. I don't know how to describe it. There's some some background noise that happens in um, I tried to clean it up. I'm doing the best I can here without really knowing much about audio editing. So um, I just wanted to give you guys a warning about that and say that the episode is really worth listening to. So please kind of ignore the uh, musical instruments in the background and some maybe screaming kids uh, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Modern Ancestral Mamas. This is episode 10 of season two. And Corey and I have, we've been talking about these budget episodes and we're both not really numbers persons, persons, people. (laughs) So... I think you say persons. Person, okay, right? sorry. So we wanted to bring someone on that we knew was really going to break things down into the nitty gritty numbers for us. And so we found within our own Weston A. Price chapter leader community uh, some help with today's episode. And we reached out to Crystal from the Abundantly Blessed Homestead. And so we're going to have Crystal on today. This is, again, so the last episode we did on this topic, we said this is something that we have been asked over and over and over to talk about. And um, we both were kind of shied away from it because it's just not something we're very good at. Um, and um, and we also felt like it was such a weighty topic uh, that we couldn't just shoot from the hip with it. So um, having Crystal come and talk with us is like just so great. And if you guys missed it, she did a whole, um, a whole YouTube video about breaking down whether, um, real food versus processed food and which is cheaper. Um, and spoiler alert, real food is cheaper. So, um, (laughs) all right. I'm going to give you guys a quick, um, bio, and then we're going to jump in with Crystal. All right. So Crystal is a wife and mother to five children. She was introduced to ancestral foods 11 years ago and is now a, has a blazing passion to impact future generations with nutrient-dense foods. So her YouTube channel has over 2,000 subscribers. She posts live cooking classes, and she has over 200 free videos focusing on kid-approved nutrient-dense meals. Crystal, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, All right. So can you share a little bit about yourself? I know you gave us, um, you started telling us your story before we started recording. So now we are officially recording. Can you give us your, your story here? 
Sure. So I was raised in the uh, standard American home with lots of processed foods. My mother was never taught to cook. And so um, we ate a lot of hamburger helper and frozen pizzas. The one thing my mom could kind of make from scratch was meatloaf, but that was usually just a slab of meat with ketchup poured on it. <laughs> so she didn't know how to cook. And so she never passed that along to me. And it wasn't until I was uh, 21 that I had a widower who had recently lost his wife uh, from cancer. And he taught me how to cook Rachel Ray, which is amazing. It's all from scratch. <clears throat> it's also really, really heavy in carbs and pasta because she's Italian. But it was at least uh, from scratch foods. So I started cooking from scratch foods. Um, but also I was still heavily dependent on things like cream and mushroom, a lot of processed foods for things I didn't know how to make. Um, and then my first child was born and she ended up having a reaction at a wellness visit that pretty much changed our whole life. Um, she is, uh, she has ASD, she's on the spectrum. And um, basically because of that, she had a lot of food allergies and um, couldn't function in a normal school setting. Um, so we ended up, um, I ended up having to quit my job and um, to be at home with her. And we ended up doing the GAPS diet and she saw a lot of healing in that. But um, basically because we lost half of our income, because I had to be at home with her um, and because of her special diet, it pushed me into having to learn how to cook from scratch even further, how to cook avoiding um, her food allergies and um, cook. Then I was introduced to Weston A. Price uh, about a year later um, and that person um, changed my life as well because I learned that things that ailments that we have with our bodies can be healed using food, which is totally cool. Um, and I found a lot of hope in that. Um, and so, uh, I wanted to start my YouTube channel to teach other parents that it doesn't have to be hard to cook from scratch. It is a possibility. And my main passion is to impact that next generation because we're all raising the future. And, um, with every person that watches one of my video videos and sees me making dinner live on Tuesday nights, um, I can make it look more doable for them. And maybe just that video will impact their, their children and their, maybe even their children's children. Wow. We had definitely mentioned it before that yeah yeah the, your story is so impactful um so thank you for sharing okay so we're going to go ahead and jump into the episode and for those new listeners uh, before every single episode starts before we you know start talking about the topic we like to ask a question that is related to the topic of the show so since today we're talking about budgeting we wanted to ask, we're going to ask everyone, so Corey, what is your favorite budgeting meal or your favorite budget meal? I'm going to go super simple on this one. I'm going to say beans and rice. And I know that that doesn't always come up when people are talking about, um, from when people from our community, from the Weston Price community talk about food, there's, most people are not going to tell you that beans and rice are an okay meal. I'm going to push back on that and say you're cooking your beans and your rice in um, bone broth. Oftentimes, I'll make what's called dirty rice, um, and that is a um, a Louisiana thing. I have family from from like from that Creole sort of um, background, and dirty rice is something that you make with chicken livers. So you're adding vegetables. Um, you know, you've got like peppers and onions and celery and stuff. And then you've got the chicken livers and some spices. And then you throw some black eyed peas or something on there and some collards and 
everybody in my house is happy with that. So, <laughs> Christine, how about you go? I know I was really struggling with what I was going to say. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm just gonna go with the roast chicken. Uh, we were joking about this earlier that a, a whole chicken is not that expensive, but or is expensive. But I'm gonna go ahead and say that if you get a whole roast chicken, you can use it for multiple meals because not only are you just cooking the chicken the one time with all of the vegetables in it, but then if there happens to be any meat left, you're picking all of the meat off and you can use that for another meal. You're saving the bones. You can make broth with it. Uh, if your chicken happens to have any organs in it, you can also be uh, utilizing those for another meal or that same meal that night. So I really do think that a whole roast chicken is just a great basic meal to learn how to prepare for your family and it can be stretched to at least one or two other meals so that's my answer what i can usually you, get a whole chicken hold on i can usually get a whole chicken to go like including broth it's usually when we're all said and done like five meals five yeah not necessarily no listen so my if you've gosh. got You've got no, um, no way I can do five with my people. I have less people than you. How does that even work? Because when you serve the original chicken, okay, I don't, I can't eat a whole breast from a chicken. My husband can, but I can't. So, like, yeah. my son gets a thigh, my daughter gets both wings, and she just like chews them and basically eats the bones. Um, so she's. So that's my nine-year-old. My two, um, you know, my five and my two-year-old take the the legs. And then, but once I've picked it and I get half, maybe half a breast, maybe like a third of a breast. Um, and then I pick it and I pick the heck out of it and then um, can use that. Then I stretch it. But if you're, if you give them a whole bunch of other stuff on your plate, when you cook the original chicken, like sweet potatoes or regular potatoes and carrots and parsnips and turnips. And then you make a bunch of kale or broccoli or whatever and sauerkraut. That's a lot of food. Um, and then you get, if you're making soup, you don't have to have a ton of chicken. If you're making enchiladas, you also add beans and rice to it. So then you get a whole nother meal. Then you get broth, which you can use, um, you know, to make a bunch of stuff. So I'm, I'm including, the amount of broth that I get that I can make a bunch of things with, but I can get probably three meals out of the meat from one bird. Three to four. There you go. All right, Crystal, your turn. Okay. So my favorite meal is one of my recipes. It's called beef stroganoff. Instead of using noodles, I opt to make fermented rice instead. So it actually fills your family up faster. Um, I like it because it's quick. It's just ground beef and sour cream. Um, there's some broth in there and some fermented rice and onions and mushrooms. Um, but the cost of the meal is under $6 for the whole meal. And that's for my big family of seven. So I love it because it's cheap and it's fast. So that feeds your whole family for $6, not yep. $6 a person for the whole meal. It's $6. Nope, $6 for the whole meal. Yep. Nice. And are you... How much of that are you producing on your, um, on your own? So, um, well, I don't have beef cows, so actually no, none of okay. it. Oh, okay. Mm -mm. 
I, I really, really stink at growing onions. <laughs> um, and so definitely not that mushrooms. I've never tried that. Uh, rice for sure not happening. And yeah, my farm's not big enough for beef at this point. So none of it. I have to buy all of it. That's so interesting. Okay. Um, by the way, I've heard mushrooms are not very hard to grow. My husband looked into it. Um, oh. Total side note. All right. So um, so we were connected to you through the um, chapter, the Weston Price chapter leaders uh, email list. And um, uh-huh. and so you're a chapter leader. Where are you a chapter leader? <laughs> Uh, we have a chapter. I'm a co-chapter leader. I'm uh, my other ch- co-chapter leaders. Her name's Mary, but we are co- we are co-chapter leaders together down in Yankton, South Dakota. I like how you say Wait, down. Say that again. Yankton. Well, because everyone thinks of Sioux Falls because it's the largest city in our state, and so we're south of that. Okay. What's the city but called we're again? Probably up for you guys. Oh, you're very up from us. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal, what's the city called again? Yankton, South Dakota. Yankton. We call it a town because to me, like a city is like with lighted streets and stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> sounds yeah. like where I live in, in Southern Georgia. Um, there you go. Okay. So awesome. um, let's, let's get going. Let's just dive in. Christine, you shoot with your first question. All right, Crystal. So can you talk to us a little bit about the difference in cost between real food and like fast food meals or even meals that are already prepared at the grocery store? Let's let's get some numbers. Okay. So um, first I started out on this whole journey of like looking into uh, processed food versus uh, from scratch meals because as COVID hit and all the prices went up, in the store, um, I was having comments from friends and family about how much it must be costing to feed my large family. I have five kids and they eat like pigs. Um, and so uh, people would just ask me and I, my response was always that uh, processed foods are more expensive because of your health. There's tons of things that have been linked to all the preservatives that are in our food, let alone everything else they put in there. Um, and so I always just, that was my go-to response. Well, we're healthy because we don't eat you know, cheap processed foods. But as the prices began to rise, I thought, well, I wonder if um, processed foods are actually more expensive. And so I ended up coming up with a meal plan. Um, And basically what I found in the end is that no, um, processed food is actually more expensive than buying even 50% organic ingredients and making the same meals from scratch. Um, especially like when you think about things like cream of mushroom, cream of chicken, um, those are not very expensive to make and you can freeze them. It's just milk and a thickener and mushrooms, um, a little bit of onion powder. I mean, it's not hard to make those things. Um, and they, it's so much cheaper to make them from scratch. Do you want to go over some of the, some of the meals in your meal plan? Maybe just like pick one and sort of break down the cost for us. Sure. Yeah. So, um, one of the meals in the meal plan that I made was, um, rice aroni. So it was just like basically fermented oh, rice yeah. instead of the rice. Yeah. It's like comes really from a good. box, right? Yeah. Rice aroni comes from a box. 
totally. taste just like it too. And my, my children actually have never had processed foods. Yeah. So it was kind of funny because I was like, one time I made homemade Cheez-Its and I was like, oh my gosh, these taste like Cheez-Its. And my 11-year-old was like, what's a Cheez-It? <laughs> like she had no idea. So anyway, but this does taste like rice aroni. Um, and I usually add chicken to it. And so it has like fermented rice in it and some spices and lots of butter um, and chicken and onion. And basically um, when I ran the cost, now these, these numbers are seven months old, but I do have updated numbers that I can go over in just a minute. But uh, for rice aroni, 100% processed, buying out of the box and then buying a whole chicken to put in with it. So it's the same meal was $47 and four cents. No. Um, and then if you were to make those, that same meal from scratch using, um, unprocessed non-organic ingredients, it came to $41 and 17 cents. So it's already cheaper to just buy non-organic and cook from scratch. Um, and then what shocked me the most was that if you buy those same ingredients and buy 50% of your groceries organic, um, the total for the rice aroni came to only $39 and 89 cents. So that just proved that you can buy those same ingredients um, to make the rice aroni, and it was 50% organic, and it's still cheaper than buying it out of a box. That's mind blowing. Yeah, I'm. I'm like literally, my jaw is dropping. Um, but a box of rice aroni only costs about what is it, three dollars, four dollars, right? Right. But the problem is, um, as inflation has taken over. Our whole foods are still the same size. So when you buy a five pound bag of potatoes, or in this case, five pounds of rice, you're still getting five pounds of rice. Yes, the price may have gone up, but we're not dealing with shrinkflation with real food. So shrinkflation, they are not only rising the price of processed foods, but they're shrinking the size of the box. And in fact, it got so bad that when I went to go redo these numbers seven months later, I had to buy extra boxes just to fill a 13 by nine pan. So... It's going up a lot and people don't consider that everything is shrinking. Like even cream and mushroom cans, like they are tiny compared to when I was eating cream and mushroom when I was a kid. No, this is true. For sure true because, I mean, not that I buy Coca-Cola, but friends who have Coca-Cola bottles when I'm hanging out with them, they're smaller. The Coca-Cola bottles Mm -hmm. are smaller. Have you ever noticed this? They're like skinny. Yep. Even like breakfast cereals. I grew up on breakfast cereal. And I remember my parents buying a box. It was just me and my brother. We had a small family. But man, that box would last us all week. And even if we ate Captain Crunch every day of the week. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you, you'd be lucky if you fed three kids with one of those boxes. They're tiny. This is so interesting. Why Why is it? Is in, And I guess manufacturers are just shrinking the amount because the cost to make the product is increasing, obviously. So they have to add less to the bag or like how, are, how is it that they're getting away with that and consumers aren't noticing or maybe they are. Uh, my, my conspiracy answer is <laughs> they do the shrinkflation because then you're forced to buy more of their product. It doesn't feed as many people anymore. So if they can raise the price and shrink it, then you're, you're stuck buying more boxes. It's good for the bottom line for them. This is, is the term shrinkflation an actual term? This is actually the first time I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading about this years ago, but I read, I mean, I read about it on like a mainstream news organization, but it was probably five or six years ago. But even like, Um, think about it, Twinkies back when we were a kid or like those like little 
the junk, like little Debbie's cupcakes. Yeah. I mean, I haven't eaten one in years, but I mean, when I opened it years ago, it was so much tinier. Really? Is that just because you're, oh, yeah. cause you're an adult now? It's been for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> we don't eat that anymore, but last time I saw it, it was much smaller. <laughs> well, Corey, your Coke comment, I was, I mean, I would have to actually go and look for a can of Coke, but I... I'm in Texas. I feel like they're all bigger here. I haven't seen <laughs> So for instance, like the cream of mushroom soup, it used to be 14 ounces. And then they went down to 12. And now it's only 10. Really? That's a huge difference. I mean, that's a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's to yeah. the point where you can't even take a recipe from 10 years ago and recreate the same recipe. Nope. Because that's it'll correct. tell you, you know, a can of... Mm. Yeah. Yep. So then they start buying two cans. Mm-hmm. So some things, um, when I rerun the numbers, um, seven months later, so some things, um, the thing, the category that went up the most was organic food. It went up $40 in seven months um, to run the same meals. Um, and then um, the process was second place and they went up the most category. <laughs> and that went up $30. Um, and then the other two categories just went up 20 and then I also noticed that there were actually were some whole foods that went have gone down in price in the last seven months. We're so focused on everything going up, but actually there are some whole food items that have gone down. Um, olive oil, onions, uh, cheddar cheese, organic potatoes, celery, raw apple cider vinegar, coconut oil, and oatmeal have all gone down in the last six to seven months. Um, and then um, some things that stay the same were brown rice. It went up initially with COVID, but it's kind of like leveled out now. Um, and garlic. So not everything is going up. It's good to know. Good to know. Encouraging. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, side note, my chickens just started laying eggs and I'm thrilled because now um, we don't have to buy the <laughs> $7 eggs at the store. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. So... Um, you have all of the you have like spreadsheets and all of this available um, on your on your YouTube, right? I just want people to be able to find this yeah. in more detail if they right. if they want to. So basically, um, I wrote the article for the West Name Price Foundation, and then I just started thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, if somebody is stuck with even buying processed organic food, it's still way more expensive, and they have oh, yeah. the skills to be able to make these meals. Um, what I ended up doing was I made a meal plan and I have it up on my Shopify store and I just posted a video yesterday, um, that has all of the links. I have several meal plans up. I have one for healing cavities, which is what I'm currently doing. Um, and it's also, uh, qualifies for full gaps diet. And I have this one, which is called cheaper than processed food meal plan. Um, and then I have two freezer meal plans for people who have absolutely no time. Um, and with those meal plans comes all of the recipes, an entire completed shopping list, a pantry checklist, um, and then um, a menu and, and a, like a little menu planning sheet, and it's all instant download. They're only seven dollars. Nice. That's a wonderful resource. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I know people are going to want that, and so we'll definitely add all of those to the show notes, so you guys can just uh, check out the show notes and click the links directly there. Um, do you have really quick, do you, I don't know if you have this, I'm just throwing it out there because this is what I do. I go off topic or I go off the, the outline. Um, 
I noticed it already. <laughs> Go ahead. We, sh- we should have warned you before we got started. Corey always goes off the outline. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you know what is the cheapest or most cost-effective um, protein option? Real food protein option, I should I have, say, because we're not talking I about have no idea. fake food here. I have no idea because I buy all of our meat from a farmer. So um, I have no idea what the store looks like right now for me. And like I said, we raise all of our own chicken. So I have no idea where those prices are. Um, so I actually don't know the answer to that. Okay. See, this is why I should have sticked to the outline because then you would have been warned. No. <laughs> well, I mean, but we did want to cover like when you are relying on store-bought food items, like what are we going to prioritize? And we're going to talk about protein. So I don't know. Well, let's do it. Let's talk let's about talk. protein. Yeah. All right. You want, All do right. you want to start crystal or should I, should I say something about it? Uh, you can go first and then I'll go. How about that? All right. We're, we're doing for those relying on store-bought food items. What do they yeah. prioritize? Is that where yeah. we are? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is for anyone who maybe has not made contact with their local farmer yet, or, uh, people who are relying mostly on the grocery store. Uh, this is, this part of the episode is for you. But so basically what we want to talk about is what are you going to prioritize if you're only purchasing, if you are purchasing all of your food items only from the grocery store. And really you want to choose the macronutrient that is going to satiate you and fill your body with the most nutrients possible. And that's actually animal protein and animal fat. Uh, So you can get your proteins from the grocery store if you absolutely need to. And so I wanted to bring in uh, Diana Rogers' book, Sacred Cow, because she did a ton of research on this subject when she made her documentary and then when she wrote her book with Rob Wolf. And basically one of the things that she found is that there's actually not enough data to support the statement that grass-fed finished beef is significantly healthier for humans than just your like typical steak. And, you know, you can find that in her book. Um, and so what, what she was trying to emphasize was the fact that it's better to have people just eat meat than to avoid meat completely because they can't afford it. Um, so yes, it is very likely that hundred percent pastured cows are more nutritionally dense than a conventional cow. But at this point, there's just not enough research out there to support that. And yeah, but isn't it even that like she, she, the what the research that she did find suggested that it is maybe potentially, but like not if it is at all, it's not very much more nutritionally beneficial to buy. Um, conventional beef versus, uh, you know, grass-fed, organic, regenerative, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's exactly what she found. Yeah. And and just to clarify, we're talking about beef. Right. We're not talking about pigs. We're not, we're not talking about chickens. We're talking about beef. But I – Okay. A side note, too. I think the same is true for lamb. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same is true for lamb um, because – 
sheep are uh, mo- they're almost always pastured, right? Always. So, but lamb is more expensive. Yeah. Oh, lamb is expensive. Period. <laughs> yeah, lamb is a very expensive protein. This is true. Um, so, if you are at the grocery store and you have to buy a protein, beef is probably your best choice. Uh, avoid CAFO meat. And so CAFO meat is the confined animal feeding operation, and that would be pork or chicken. So those are the animals. Cattle cannot be confined. Cattle have to be out on pasture. And the majority of cattle are going to be grazing on grass for 90% of their life. Mm-hmm. And even if they're, they are uh, a conventional cow, they're only eating grain for maybe the last three months of their life. Um, so in comparison to a chicken or a pig, which can be kept within confinement, in which case they're not seeing the sunlight, they are not exhibiting their natural uh, animal instincts, they're not outside, they're not, uh, you know, and, and they're being fed grains and being pumped full of antibiotics and medicine to keep them alive because they're so stressed in the conditions that they're living in. Those are the CAFO animals. And so if you have to pick between chicken or pork at the grocery store, go for beef. Or lamb. <laughs> if, if you have to pick between chicken or pork, go for beef. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you laughing? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what you said. Did <laughs> I say it wrong? Yeah, you said, <laughs> so you just if you have to pick between chicken or be- or pork, go for beef. For beef. <laughs> but that's perfect. That's right. No, you're right. No, I, yeah. What did I say? <laughs> that is what you said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe you meant to say that, and I just thought it was hilarious. Um, Oh, yeah, that I did mean. Okay, all right. I don't know. Just trying to play off a Chick Fil A commercial or something. Oh, I get you. Okay, how many Chick Fil A commercials have you watched? (laughs) Texas, the the silly billboards are everywhere here. Okay. (laughs) That's funny, Christine. Okay. So, uh, hands down, I'm pretty sure the last time I was in a grocery store and kind of was trying to pay attention to prices, ground beef um, is the cheapest, um, best form of animal protein. So, cheapest money-wise and still as much nutrition as you're going to get out of, you know, conventional uh, animal protein. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Crystal, do you want to add anything? Yeah. So what I was going to say is um, if you go to reach for chicken, don't reach for the boneless, skinless chicken breast. Make sure you're buying bone in because it's higher in vitamin A. So that's really, really important. And I also wanted to add – um, that meat is absolutely a must. Um, a lot of people do tend to cut out meat, but the problem with that is a vegan diet is really awesome when you're on a detox, mm-hmm. but when your body needs to rebuild, you need meat. And so a long-term vegan diet, uh, may be possible for some, but their bodies aren't getting the nutrients they need to rebuild. And so it's really important that we are giving some form of animal protein, um, to our families so our bodies can rebuild particularly children who are Kids. just and, and yeah. pregnant or lactating women. Like this is not the time to be going, um, you know, 
going vegan or going even vegetarian, it's still just, we'll probably have a whole episode about this at some point, but um, yeah, it's just not, it's not something that is going to be serving your bodies when they're trying to be building themselves. Okay. And the body is constantly rebuilding. Sure. All of our right. bodies are constantly trying right. to rebuild. So, yeah. Um, all right. So aside from, okay, so you're at the grocery store and we've already covered protein. What else, if you can only purchase from the grocery store, what should people focus on? You mean to like buy organic? Is that what you mean? Um, yeah. Or just, yeah. If you're, if you're filling your cart, what are you filling it with Mm -hmm. to, 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 you know, feed your family for a whole week? So you have to create, you know, fully um, balanced meals. What's what is in your cart? So, right. So my family, um, there would always be some sort of a meat, and I typically have vegetables as sides. Where a lot of meat and vegetable type of eaters, especially post GAPS diet, just kind of what we gravitate towards. Um, once or twice a week, I tend to make something that has fermented rice in it, um, or um, fermented beans. Um, but for the most part, uh, we stick to veggies and meat. We're kind of boring. No, that's, that's us too. For the majority of the, of the time. Um, okay. So when you're buying, let, let's, let's, let's touch on the organic versus non-organic thing. Like what, it, what are the things that it, it is worth it to prioritize buying organic and what is, um, you know, what, what can you let slide for sake of budgeting? So with my personal choice, um, one of the things that are on my must be organic list are like hot, spicy, any sort of pepper, even bell peppers, because those are really, really heavily sprayed. So I tried to follow the dirty dozen list, um, and opt for organic stuff as far as that goes. And also grains are huge because, I'm, I'm up here in grain growing country. And so, um, I've seen those roundup planes flying right over, uh, right before harvest. Um, I used to opt to buy non GMO grains, but quickly realized living here that basically, um, it's a convenience for the farmers for the airplanes to fly right over right before harvest and spray all of their non GMO crops with glyphosate, uh, because it kills off the entire, um, the entire field all at once. And then they can harvest all at once because our fields are not perfectly flat. And so there are lower areas where the water sits and those um, wheat or what have you, it doesn't die as, at the same time as the rest of the field. So they spray the whole thing. And then the farmer typically comes back within a week and harvests the entire field and they sell it off and it goes right into our food with glyphosate still on it. So in that regard, though, is um, would a white flower be like a flower that's had the the germ and the bran removed? Does anybody know this answer? See, and I have had people actually ask me this because when it comes to fermenting rice, um, white rice ends up dissolving. Yeah. Um, I did that on white rice, Right, white rice, white flour, all these things are processed foods. And if you think about um, our healthy salts, like pink Himalayan salt, Celtic sea salt, they all have color. And the reason why they have the color is because that's where your minerals are at. That's the way God created our food. 
um, is a perfect uh, unit. And uh, when you strip the minerals away, that's when you have problems within the body. So I typically don't ever recommend buying anything white because that's just your sign that they have stripped things out of it. Um, and you're just left with what's left, which is really nothing good for you. So if you are at the grocery store and you're trying to prioritize health, go for organic grains. Um, Corey, you've talked about dried beans. We touched on the dirty dozen. Yeah, beans, though, is this, is very similar with the organic situation because they have to have they have to be dry. So, um, yeah. So, so organic is important in that, uh, for those two. Yeah. So grains, beans. And so if you guys had to categorize it, like if you had to prioritize from most to least, like what would you purchase the most of to what would you purchase the least of at the grocery store? Do you mean, um, sorry, let me clarify. You mean like, would you buy more meat versus more vegetables versus more grains versus more dairy? So to, okay. So if you're at the grocery store yep. to feed your family for a week, what would you focus, like what would the majority of the food in your cart be to be able to fill them up mm-hmm. versus, yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? So typically, um, the meals that I select for my family of seven have somewhere between one pound of meat and one and a half pounds. So there would definitely be some sort of clean meat in there. But then usually the rest of the meal um, is either produce or grains. And so um, I used to buy non-organic dairy. And then my friend was talking to me about that. And she gave me this organic dairy challenge um, to buy all of my uh, dairy organic and she had explained to me that animals, just like humans, store toxins in their fat. And so a lot of your dairy products, those are all fats. Sour cream's fat, butter's fat. Um, and so if you're eating dairy from non-organic animals that are being fed grains that have glyphosate on them, <laughs> that is going to be stored in your non-organic dairy. Um, so I guess if some of the meals had dairy, that would probably be more towards the top of my list. So probably in a least degree, it would be like meat. Dairy, the dirty dozen, and grains. Um, if I had to cut one of them, I would probably cut. Ooh, I don't know. That's a hard question. Um, I would probably just eliminate a category. If I couldn't, if I couldn't afford organic, I would just eliminate. It. I'd find a way around it. If I couldn't afford organic potatoes, I would buy rutabagas. Just buy something else that's like not so heavily sprayed. Um, that would probably be my answer. That's a good idea. Wait, did you just say that you feed your family of seven with a pound and a half of meat? Yeah, that's if it's mixed with other things. Depends on what's on the plate. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, like if you're going to do like a hash with rutabagas or okay. you're going to do rice, you know, ask me something else. That still feels so low to me. I I think Corey and I, we've talked about this before. Yeah, we have. I'm I'm cooking about three pounds of meat a night. That would that would blow my budget, Christine. Like to be totally honest, that would just that would blow my budget because and like I'm I'm at the same point. I'm like a pound, maybe a, no. I don't think I've ever really made a pound and a half. Like if I'm gonna do, gonna do ground beef, unless I'm making burgers, 
Um, Mm -hmm. But even so, I made burgers the other night and I got six burgers out of a – no, it was a pound and a half. Um, And everybody in my family got one burger. But see, like, I can't wrap my head around that. I've got a nine-year-old who will eat two burgers. Sure. My my 11-year-old would have eaten two burgers. And I said, sorry, if you're still hungry, go have a glass of raw milk and make yourself an egg. Okay. Something else that really helps as far as, and I know it's one of you guys' questions further down, but something that really, really helps stretch a food budget is actually serving broth before every meal. And broth is like so cheap yeah. because you could buy the whole chicken for another recipe, throw the whole chicken into your crock pot with some water, apple cider vinegar, a little bit of sea salt, and make yourself your meat broth and then strain it off, take the, the meat off and use that in a recipe and then make bone broth. But just like serving that broth, that was one of the things that really struck home with me on the GAPS diet is like, wow, my kids eat so much less. It wasn't just because it was soup all the time. <laughs> it was because they were full after that broth. It makes a huge difference. That's a good idea. I never, yeah, I never thought about that, actually. never thought about serving And daily it. consumption of broth, you know, helps yeah. to rebuild the gut lining. I mean, it's really, really good for you. Yeah. And are you are you specifically talking about broth and not meat stock or – um, either one. You could do uh, bone broth, I and mean, that supports detox, or you could do the meat stock. Either one. I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to have to really up my – because right now I'm only making broth once a week, and it usually lasts me the whole week. Um, anyway. Yeah, but it's a, it is a good tip that you could get probably th- almost three things of broth out of one bird because you're doing meat stock which to anybody who doesn't know, meat stock is a short cooking time um, with the whole uh, – well, it doesn't have to be a chicken, but it would be a whole chicken if you're doing chicken. Um, Meaty and, bones. Right. So so it could be, you know, oxtail or something like that. But it's the whole you're, – you're cooking the meat along with the bones in the water. Then you strain off the water and you pick the meat off the bones. Then you can use the bones again to make – bone broth, which is the longer process, you know, eight to 12, 24 hours sort of situation. And then you make another batch of um, bone broth from those bones. So that's a lot that you could get a lot out of one um, chicken if we're doing chicken. I don't, I don't ever make, make meat, meat stock mostly because I don't like poached chicken, but <laughs> But that would that would give you a lot more. Um, alrighty, so let's see. Let's get kind of um, into a bit more of like nitty gritty of actually budgeting. Um, so, in what categories can we save money to get allocate more money? into other categories. You know, we kind of, we, we sort of touched on this, but like if you're, if you've got, um, if your food budget is $700 a month, um, I feel like that's a fairly normal for a family of, I don't know. It's a, it's fairly normal for a family of six, which I've got. Um, you know, how are you, making sure that you're allocating that 
how, like kind of percentage wise, what would you percentage wise allocate maybe? I have no idea of my percentage wise, I guess. Okay. Um, then the don't do percentages. Okay. So um, my view on that question was um, like something that I've been incorporating lately to allocate more money towards other categories is I've switched over to using organic palm fruit shortening instead of butter and things like bread, sourdough bread, because it is still a Weston A. Price um, approved fat. Um, and Azure Standard has an amazing deal on their um, organic palm fruit shortening. It doesn't have to be refrigerated. It sits out like coconut oil. Um, is it? Is this the red so stuff? Sorry, is this? Nope, this no. is it's white. Okay. It's white. Huh. One thing I really, really love about Azure Standard is like even their refined stuff, quote unquote, um, it says right on the website that they use all natural refining processes. So there's like no chemicals used. Um, so it's a really, really clean product, even though it's not red. It's actually white. It kind of looks like Crisco. I know we hate Crisco. It's a naughty word, but um, it's just really, really soft and buttery. Um, and so I started using it in my sourdough and it works just fine. And it's a way that I can cut back on butter because butter is really expensive. Yeah. Um, and still be able to cook uh, breads and stuff for my family. Do you, can um, you use that for sauteing? Sorry, I'm interrupting you again. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to have the same flavor. I use lard. Yeah. I love lard. It's like my favorite. I could like, yeah, I had a, I had a problem. I was with my naturopath for something and on the list was like, on the nihilist list was lard and she's a Weston Price person, but it was like acidity. And I cried. I was like, I can't have my lard. Are you kidding? Like I, I butter all of my baking pans with that. Like I cook my eggs in that. Like I can't have lard anymore. And she's like, no, 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 that's just a list. Don't have too many of those things. And then she started laughing and said, oh my gosh, this is the difference between seeing a Weston A. Price person and a regular standard person. <laughs> losing lard. Totally Don't was. take my lard. <laughs> exactly. um, so something else that I've done in the past um, to reallocate money would be um, buying grains and spices in bulk. I reach out to Azure Standard for that. They're amazing. They deliver all over the country. Um, and their spice prices, I mean, they beat the little tiny cheap containers at Walmart. Yeah. I mean, there's absolutely amazing. Same thing with grains. So um, that's azurestandard.com for anybody who doesn't know. Um, and then also I buy all of my meat and dairy in bulk. That's another Azure Standard thing. They sell a ton of raw dairy. So I can buy raw dairy cheese off of Azure Standard. Um, I just I try to stock up there. They have really good deals on sour cream and everything else. And my favorite company, Nancy's, they sell all of that. Um, and so that's how I can allocate more money towards other things. Every other month, I pretty much stock up my ingredients in my pantry just to make sure I have things on hand, um, which I think helps with the budget. I just kind of allot a certain amount of money to um, bulking up my pantry to make sure I have the basics. How do you how do you go about organizing that? Um, to know, is it just like a trial and error? Like you have an idea at this point because you've been doing it for so long that you sort of know how much you need to allocate every other month or I am, I'm an, an extreme planner. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I do meal plan, meal plan every single month. Um, and I also, um, tend to try and look and see what Azure has on sale. Cause I do a lot of my ordering from Azure cause I live in the middle of nowhere. Um, our nearest store that sells organic is like 45 minutes away and it's like two aisles. <laughs> so not a whole lot of things there, especially for a large family. So I end up buying a ton of my groceries from Azure Standard. Um, but basically, 
trying to decide where I was going with that. What was the question again? Sorry. Yeah, just how do you, how do you organize yeah. it? Oh, I organize it. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So basically what I do is um, I have menu plans, meal plans for each month. And so um, I try to say, okay, we're going to use so many pounds of rice for the next six months approximately, because I know about how many meals I allow us to have grain. I know about how many meals I like to have beans in because you don't want everyone walking around having gas. So you're not going to have that every night. Um, and so you can kind of, um, if you can track how much you have used over a couple of different months, then you can say this is how much we're going to need for so many months. Buy a bulk bag. I try to keep my bulk buying like under $150 a month. That's just my personal budget. Um, and I also, when I do the meal planning, um, which we can talk about, I tend to try and um, plan out as many weeks as possible um, because you save more money by doing that. And then I can allocate some of the next month's budget to stocking my pantry. Okay. Um, okay. Do we want to do meal planning? I guess we can get into that since we just yeah yeah let's just roll it. into that. I I do want to ask you though, like very, if somebody is totally new to this idea, um, of of not only meal planning but like bulk buying and um, you know, working to try and get their budget under control. Like there's so many people that are, are all of the sudden trying to feed their families on, on, on a budget. Um, whether that's because they pulled their kids from public school during COVID and now they're homeschooling. So they only have one income or, you know, whatever it is that rising food prices, there's a lot of people who are kind of new to this. Um, and I, I would really love for you to maybe just talk us through the practicality of it. Like when you sit down, what's your process? Okay. So the first thing I say to people who are new to meal planning is that you need to start recording what your family is already eating. Um, the reason why you want to do that is because it'll help you to track what foods you're already using on a, a regular basis with your family. And also it prevents you from doing recipes that you already know your family is not going to eat. Just because it's cheap doesn't mean they're going to eat it. And there's no point in stocking your pantry with foods that your kids aren't going to eat. So if you know your family likes pizza once a week, then you write down the ingredients for sourdough pizza, or at least write down the recipe for sourdough pizza. It's something you guys like to eat, put it on the list. Um, and then what you do is um, the way I found to save the most money is you choose seven meals and so I do this every month, sit down and I choose seven meals. And I try to pick meals that have similar ingredients, but not all of the same ingredients. I only made that mistake once. <laughs> uh, we had like a whole Mexican and it was horrible. Like you, like you eat out at a restaurant and you're like, I love this food. But like lunch and dinner for 30 days, all Mexican is not good. <laughs> um, we have one bathroom and we're a family of seven. I'll let you guys do the math on that. She doesn't um, know I'm married to a Mexican. <laughs> So, um, basically you want to pick out seven meals. So let's say you were going to do a Mexican meal that called for sour cream. Maybe you do a beef stroganoff that also has sour cream. The advantage of doing that is that you can buy a larger container of sour cream, um, or buy multiple small containers from a place like Azure standard and get a discount for buying more than just one. Um, and so that's where you would start. So you pick out your seven meals then you look at your family size. And what I started doing about four years ago was just using leftovers from dinner for lunch. Mm -hmm. And my husband works outside the home. My kids are home 
because um, we homeschool, but my husband does have to take a lunch. And uh, what we found that works really, really good is you can buy them on Amazon. They're like little mini crock pots and it doesn't cook your food, but it warms up your food. So that's a way to take any sort of food um, with him to work. All he has to do is plug it in and it's hot by lunchtime. They also make like food thermoses that you can do the same thing. It's a little bit more of a pain because you have to put hot water in it to prime it and then dump the hot water out and put your hot meal in. Um, the crock pot's a little more convenient and I think they're only like $30 on Amazon, but that's a way to take um, your leftovers. And the reason why this is important because um, if you can select meals that are large enough to feed your family on uh, just for, for dinner and then again for lunch, you're not buying separate lunch ingredients. Nobody ever thinks about this. You know, deli meat's really expensive mm -hmm. uh, per pound when you calculate it out and you're buying bread that you wouldn't have to. Otherwise, you're buying whatever toppings. That's just for a sandwich. Um, so all these quick um, throw together pack lunches are really blowing your budget because you're spending additional money on food you wouldn't normally purchase. So even if you have to take a recipe and take it times two in order to feed your family for both dinner and lunch, it's still cheaper than buying a whole nother menu for lunches. So I typically just go ahead and pick out the seven meals, make sure each of the seven meals will feed your family for both a dinner and enough leftovers for lunch. And then we take those seven meals and we take them all times four. So that will feed your family for lunch and dinner for 28 days. Um, and then you can do this similar thing for breakfast. So you, you would have to do a personal choice. How many times do you want to have pancakes a week and pick out different meals like that? But once you've filled in a whole week of breakfast, you can take those all times four, um, depending on how many times you want to have repeats. You know, we do things like pancakes, sourdough pancakes. We do um, oatmeal, soaked oatmeal bakes, all, all these sort of things. And some of them are 13 by nine pans. So that's going to last you two breakfasts. So it just kind of depends on what, what your family prefers to eat for breakfast. And then you would just calc that out. Okay, so if we're going to have it twice a week, that's two times, and we're going to have it for four weeks. So you'd have eight. Take that meal times eight, write the ingredients down. That would be your shopping list. And that's where I would start. I've actually um, we're completely debt-free Dave Ramsey people, and I don't typically go around um, advertising for credit cards. <laughs> but one way that my family has been able to save money on food is, and this is only if you're really, really good with budgeting, but is to have a credit card that's just specifically for food where you're able to buy a whole month. Cause if you're living paycheck to paycheck, to paycheck and you can't, you have to go every two weeks to get groceries. Um, if you can buy a whole month's worth of food ahead of time in bulk, you will save so much money. Um, and then in fact, I've actually taken this and taken the same seven meals for um, one month worth of food and actually taking it times two. So you're eating the same seven meals for two months, which is a bit of a stretch. You kind of get sick of them towards the end, but I will tell you by taking those same seven meals and eating them for two full months, I've taken as much of as like $200 off of my food budget. And so what, what you do is you just buy it all up front. And then when the paycheck comes in, you put the allotted amount down on the, the credit card. You'd pay it off as you get paid. Um, as long as you stay within your food budget and that everyone has a different number as far as what that would be. Where are you storing some of these items? So if you're buying in bulk, do you have like multiple refrigerators? Do you, I, you're in South Dakota, so it's a little bit cooler. So <laughs> you I just, just put it all outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, I okay. So wait a minute. Like, we just we just read this chap the chapter in um, the Little House book where they literally are storing their meat outside and it's just frozen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've like had to do that before winter. when we lose power. Yeah. yeah, we've had to do that before when, when we lose power because our farm is pretty remote. 
And so when we get a really bad storm in, um, there's basically no travel because a snowplow won't get to us for at least a day. Um, and usually the power goes out um, for several days when that happens. And so uh, we have wood burning stoves to keep us warm, but you have these freezers that are thawing out and then you can only hold so much gas for a generator. And so worst case scenario, we just roll it out the back door <laughs> and it just sits outside. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so to answer your question, like I store butter in the freezer. Um, I buy butter by the case from, once again, Azure Standard. Um, you can buy, I think it's 15 pounds of butter for under $100, um, which is a lot of butter. Yeah. Um, and that's all grass-fed. Um, and then meats into the freezer as well. I also do canning, so I have things that are stored up on the shelves. We do a lot of homesteading, so we grow some of our own food in a garden. I have a greenhouse, and so we try to put a lot of things up in jars as well. And then just bulk buckets for things like rice. But do you have a storage room for these things or do you have them stacked in your kitchen or? So I have a big walk-in pantry. Okay. It needs to be bigger. We just built our, finished this home like a year ago and my husband stuck up shelves to hold 500 canning jars. And I completely filled that last year and had jars sitting in crates. Um, and so basically uh, we put in some more shelves. <laughs> this winter there's more shelves um there's more storage for all of my empty jars now um and getting ready to start into growing season for this year but yeah I have a big walk-in pantry can you share what containers you use if you like them not just uh for the canning but for the bulk uh items like rice or flour or stuff like that okay so I actually went to um it was a restaurant supply store online and bought uh, food safe containers. Um, a lot of restaurants use these like, they're like rectangular. I love them for freezer meals as well. They are plastic, but if you let your, your meal cool down, you can pour it into the plastic containers and then they stack inside your freezer. Super amazing. Um, but they make them in huge five gallon sizes. Yeah. Um, and so I actually store them in there. They just have like lids that pop on and off. It has measurements on the side. Not that you really care. It's either full or it's not, but that's what I store my stuff in. And then, um, I also add like a little bit of diatomaceous earth to, um, the grains that are whole like rice or wheat because bugs can sometimes come in on that stuff. I had to happen last year and now I'm like completely strict about everything that comes into the house. It's a little bit of diatomaceous earth before we store it so that we're not going to be invaded by moths. Yeah. That happened to me one time. Um, I started putting bay leaves in all of my grains that, that supposedly keeps them away. And I haven't had a problem since. So, um, but the diatomaceous earth, you just put it, you mix it in with your flour. Um, well, I don't have any flour that is already ground that I store. I grind all of my wheat berries from scratch right before I make bread. Yeah. If there's anything left over, the small amount that I ground that I didn't use gets stored into the freezer. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. What other things were we... I know I'm so sorry that I like jump around like this all over the place because then it makes it really hard for me to get talk about to fermented rice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Please tell us about your fermented rice. Okay. So... I didn't start fermenting my beans or my rice until we, my family came off the gap, gaps diet. We were on full gaps and you could start to have Navy beans and um, it's recommended that you ferment them. So I started learning how to ferment beans. Um, and I started to notice that when I fermented things like rice and beans, it actually fills up my family a lot faster. So 
a lot of us know the first step to properly preparing grains is to soak them. That's usually like an overnight soak sort of deal. And that's great for phytic acid and enzyme inhibitors. Um, but it doesn't really help with the hard to digest starches that are in a lot of these foods. And so, um, once we did the GAPS diet and I learned how to do it, I went ahead and just carried it through the rest of our life because a lot of people who get bloating and gas from these uh, food items notice that after they ferment them, they don't have those problems anymore and it fills up their family faster. And it's really no harder than just soaking. Um, you start out with the first uh, 24 hour, eight hour soak, whatever you choose to do, and then you would rinse your beans and you would refresh the filtered water and apple cider vinegar. Um, and then you allow it to sit another 24 hours and rinse them again. It doesn't take a ton of time. It takes about five minutes a day. Um, and what I usually do is I, with my meal plan, I line out jars along my counter and I know exactly how many pounds of rice I need or exactly how many. That's another benefit to having a meal plan. You know exactly how much you're going to need. And I just fill up my jars a third of the way full, add my filtered water, add my apple cider vinegar, and all the jars are on the same schedule. I just spend 10 minutes and I dump them every 24 hours and refresh that water. And at the end of three days, you rinse them. And then I store all of mine in freezer bags inside my freezer. And that way, whenever I'm ready to make my meals, all of my rice and all of my beans are already properly prepared and fermented and ready to go. Um, one of the main questions I get on my channel is, why are you fermenting something that you're going to cook? And my answer to that is, whenever you ferment a raw food product, you are multiplying the nutrients within that product. I'm not personally after the probiotics. We eat sauerkraut and other ferments. I'm after the multiplication of nutrients within the food and filling up my family faster because all those nutrients are more bioavailable for my family. And so I just make sure that I do it all at once because otherwise I'd have no time. I mean, I have a farm and five children and homeschool and everything and growing a lot of our own food. I don't have time for all of this. And so if I can just do it all at once, check it off the list and put it in freezer bags, then it's ready to go for my meals. So are you freeze them um, uncooked and Correct. then you pull them out of the freezer and how long does it take to cook these? And let's, what's the process for so, cooking it? Is it the same, just boil it? So you can boil them. Um, if you're going to use an Instant Pot, you can automatically take off two to three minutes of cook time. Um, and same thing with um, boiling. It takes a lot less time. Um, the brown rice that I use with all of my recipes um, cooks almost as fast as a white rice after you get done fermenting it. So it is really, it cuts your cooking time down substantially. Do you do this with um, oats too? So with oats, um, I buy oat groats and then we grind them into oatmeal or press them into oatmeal. Um, we're kind of 1800 style on that, but um, we roll them yeah. and then I make what's called um, soaked oatmeal. And so the night before I soak oatmeal with um, water and apple cider vinegar, or you could use whey. And then I put, um, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it now. Oh yeah, I am. And then I put rye in it, fresh ground rye or rye flakes, because that helps oh. um, break down the phytic acid. Um, because oats are extremely hard to remove phytic acid on. So I add a little bit of rye. I let that soak overnight. Sometimes it's longer than overnight, 12-ish um, hours. Add the rest of my ingredients, and then I bake it. That's how I handle oats. For the rice, so you're fermenting it for about three days. Yep. So you soak it for the first 24 hours, and then you switch it over to your fermenting um, clock, if you want to call it that, um, and it goes for three days. Yep. Okay. And same thing with beans. You can take the beans longer, but I never recommend that because they start to get an off flavor. Um, 
I guess it's like a delicacy down in Mexico. I don't know if your husband knows about that, but it's fermented beans that are in your face when you go past three days. There ain't nobody in my family that's going to be eating that. Uh, it smells like, um, I don't even know, sauerkraut had a baby with a bad sourdough starter? I'm not really sure. Yeah, but, I did it on accident um, at one point, and I was like, what happened? <laughs> yes. It was not good. And the three days is totally... The three days is totally dependent on the, the heat inside your home. Yeah. If it's warmer than 70 degrees, it's going to go faster, just like it does with sauerkraut. Yeah. Well, if it's colder, it might take an extra day. It and was are you- South Georgia in the middle of summer, so. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you every 24 hours, so every, yeah, 24 hours, you are dumping out the water and the ACV and starting over with a fresh batch? If I'm a good person, I am. <laughs> now I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so busy yeah. that a lot of times it just it just bends for itself. Yeah. Um, and let me tell you that it still tastes just fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that your end jar that you end up rinsing is going to have a ton of fermented foam on the top. Okay. And the start of what may or may not be a SCOBY, I'm not really sure. Mm. Um, and so it's a little bit more intensive rinsing. I maybe it adds, I don't know, three or four minutes of rinsing that you wouldn't have if you rinsed it every 24 hours. But um, almost every batch I do, I totally forget about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's growing something. We should probably rinse it off and move it to the freezer. <laughs> yeah. And then, so you're doing this only with brown rice. You're saying you've never tried it with like white right. rice, for example, or wild rice no. or, okay. I'm sure. Right. Wild rice, I actually um, do do I do ferment that as well. Okay. It's technically a grass, but I, I do ferment that one as well. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, I was going to ask about, oh, I guess, yeah, how's the taste? So the beans, you can't tell at all as long as you catch it before it goes into that funk funk on, okay. you know, day number four. <laughs> um the rice has a little bit of a sour taste, but it's not bad at all. And um, in my beef stroganoff re- recipe, which is just ground beef and onions and mushrooms and the fermented rice with a little sour cream, you can't even taste it. Okay. It's not, it's not, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not enough of a flavor where it hits you in the mouth and you're like, whoa, she did something weird to this. You know, people aren't going to eat at your house and be like, ooh, <laughs> um, not that much of a flavor unless you let it go for too long. Okay. Okay. Glad we covered that. I was really curious about it. Obviously, you have a, a recipe for it, so we'll add that to the show notes too. Yep. All right. So you're you have a big family, Corey. You have a big family. <laughs> How can you afford to feed all of those growing kids, especially as they get bigger and you know are going to need more and more food? I mean, I know we've talked a lot about you've already given a lot of strategies. Is there anything else that you want to share with like how to feed, how to afford to feed big families, Crystal? So for me, shopping lists are a must. Like I know a lot of people are like, Oh, like I just know what I need. I'm going to go in and grab some things, but the stores that you're shopping at, like they strategically put stuff to like tempt you. And it's like, it might be those cookies that you didn't really need, but your kid's screaming and so you get them anyway, or you're hungry and you buy X, Y, and Z. Um, So having a shopping list and sticking to it is extremely important. Um, Just spending an extra $15 a week on groceries um, adds up to over $780 a year. So it's just 15 bucks. That doesn't even go very far. So you just really have to watch how much you're spending, especially if you're going in every week, because it does add up 
Um, and then as I shared before, like buying in bulk, especially the things that are on your priority list. So if meat's a priority, then you need to link up with a farmer. Um, because if that's at the top of your priority list personally for your family, you need to buy that thing in bulk. So, um, you know, buying a whole or half of a cow or a pig or what have you. Um, and then things like if, if dairy's on the top of your list, buying organic dairy in bulk from places like Azure Standard. Um, it's very, very important if that's something that's on the top of your list that you're spending the least amount or getting the best deal on it. And then we talked about earlier, but also um, serving broth with your meal instead of water. Um, that's a really, really great way to stretch a meal, fill up the children. And then uh, we just talked about it, but the fermentation and proper preparation of grains is so important. Um, I know uh, when I had my last baby, I had my husband pick up some Papa Murphy's pizzas because I was just, I couldn't handle nothing. And he came home and I'll tell you what, we, we brought home two of those huge, large family-sized pizzas for our family. And my kids cleared all of that out and asked for more food. And it just hit me and I was like, wait a minute. I can make that those two same pizzas with sourdough and they don't even clear it all out. They might eat three quarters of it. And so just the proper preparation of grains, the body, you know, can absorb more of the nutrients. It fills up your family faster because of that. It's just so important. I think people don't think about that as much um, as a budget stretcher, but it totally is because if you can even cut two servings that someone's not eating because they're full out because you properly prepared your grains, that's money in the bank. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the difference between empty nutrients and, or I guess empty calories and a real satiating whole food, properly prepared whole food. So, wow, that's, that's such a good point. All right. What about the parent, which you kind of touched about this a little bit, uh, you touched on this a little bit, but what about the parent who says they don't have time to make everything from scratch? So automatically, if you're the parent that has little time, uh, the first recommendation I would say is try and pay attention to how much time you're scrolling through Facebook. I don't mean that to jab at anybody, yeah. but a lot of times that's what we go to to unwind. And that's a lot of time that could be spent doing something else. So that would be my first thing is self-evaluation. Um, the second thing is if you don't have any time, if you're working outside of the home and you have little to no time, you're automatically going to be paying more for food. You just don't have the time to make a lot of it from scratch, but you could still do things like buying um, your grains in bulk. Um, that doesn't take any more time than buying regular groceries. Um, and then um, I also think that if I can pull off uh, soaking and fermenting your grains, you could too. It's just five five minutes a day. It's a it's a quick scroll through Facebook um, to go ahead and properly prepare your grains, and that will fill up your family faster. Um, a lot of times I think about recommending that people make their own broth because that can cook while you're at work. But even that might be too much for someone who has no time. But um, if you could write that into your, your daily routine or weekly routine to make your own broth and let's say soup is on the menu plan, um, you could save some good money. Um, not having to pay for organic broth from the store. Yeah. Broth is extremely expensive at the grocery store. Um, okay. What about, um, have you heard this idea, Crystal, that that real food is kind of elitist? You know mm -hmm. that that only people who have um, are at a certain income level are going to be able to um, to do this, or you know, it's not it's not feasible for somebody um, who lives in you know what they call a food desert and 
um, probably works, you know, works the night shift or, or works two jobs. And there's, there is a element of, at least from my view of real food, the people who talk about real food, talking about it in a sort of elitist way. And I would love it if you could, if, if you don't think that it is, um, or it doesn't have to be, maybe if we could maybe touch on how we can help people view it in more of a doable way, budget wise, you know. So I don't think that eating whole food has to be an elitist thing. Um, I think that people get so focused on, I have to buy everything organic. There's no way I can afford that. But really the, the first step off of a crazy, fast paced, highly processed life is to get off the train and go whole foods. You may not be able to afford everything organic. Um, you may only be able to just get stuff that's not organic, but at least you're not on the processed train anymore. Um, and that doesn't take an elitist income to do. Yeah. Um, it's just, just choosing to step off of that. And I, I feel like when people get stuck in the mindset of, I can't do this, like this is only for the rich and wealthy, um, I think mindset has a huge uh, role in it. And I feel like um, that's why people are stuck where they are is because they have bought into the idea that they can't have anything better. And until we start wrapping our mind and, and people start thinking, how can I do something different? Like I said before, even if it's just making your own broth, it's just one step at a time. You don't have to master all of it all at once. You don't have to buy all everything organic all at once. Life is not a race. It's a journey. And so it's taken me 11 years to get where I'm at. And I know a lot of moms get completely overwhelmed because they live in the city. Um, there's no farms near them. All they have are stores. Um, they don't have a big backyard to grow all of their own food. And they start researching and going down the rabbit holes, if that's what you want to call them. And they end up um, completely overwhelmed. Where do I start? And my answer to that is one step at a time. You know, you're not going to master everything all at once. No one ever has. No one ever all of a sudden gets divine intelligence and knows absolutely everything that is amazing for their kids and takes off and accomplishes it all in 24 hours. I mean, we are super moms, but not that kind of super mom. <laughs> Just taking it one step at a time and saying, what can I change this week for my family? And it may be opting to buy something organic that you typically wouldn't have reached for organic before. Okay, so on this on this note, um, Christine found us some statistics that I think are just fascinating. Um, that um, amid the rising costs of food, you know, most Americans are spending the largest percentage of their food dollars on restaurants. Um, and I saw something today that was like the average American or the average meal at a restaurant costs like fourteen dollars. And the average meal cooked at home costs $4. That's a giant difference. And generally, if you're eating out, it's very difficult to find really nourishing foods. Almost everybody's going to be using those seed oils that just, you know, wreck us. Um, but even if that's not your concern, you know, if that's not on your on your top worry, you're still generally going to make different choices when you eat out than you would if you're eating at home. Okay. Um, in 2017, 
53% of food dollars were spent on eating out. So that's um, a uh, stat that Christine found in Sacred Cow. And it's from the Business Insider and the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Um, so what, I mean, you you did all of this work with your um, budgeting, you know, real fruit food versus processed food. And it's, I mean, I when I watched your video at first, I really was mind blown about, because it's obvious to look at, you know, a hamburger that I make at home with some homemade French fries is way cheaper than a hamburger at, you know, the local hamburger shop. But to have it even be that like my, the, you know, the box of rice aroni is way cheaper than, or is, is way, is more expensive than what I can make at home. That's, it's just amazing. And I'm, I, I mean, if I didn't know that, you know, and I spend all my days thinking about food and, you know, cooking and buying food, like this, this is what I do for fun. Um, and I didn't realize that, like, that's, it's huge. Well, and as we talked about earlier, I'm not sure if we recorded it or not, so I'll say it again. Um, as we talked about earlier, Whole Foods haven't suffered from shrinkflation. Um, and so you're still getting five pounds of potatoes like you were before. So the price may have gone up, but the box hasn't shrunk. Um, whereas all processed foods has shrunk. I have yet to find one that has not. Um, when I go to the grocery store, I actually go down the process aisle because I'm in complete shock. I just want to see how high the prices have gone and how small everything has shrunk. And that really impacts your food budget because you're buying extra boxes um, to feed the same amount of people. Yeah, I think you, we weren't recording when you mentioned that earlier. So one of the things Crystal was saying was when she was growing up, a box of cereal could last her family an entire week. And now a box of conventional cereal, you would need to buy like two or three of those boxes to be able to feed a family an entire week. And this was a term that I had, I had personally never heard of before. And so she used the term shrinkflation. <laughs> it's kind of a fun word. Um, <laughs> Don't say it five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that is... I think this is one of the benefits of doing episodes like this, where we're educating the consumer on that so that they're aware that, okay, you know, if you are, if, if you're a consumer that, you know, wants to eat the granola or wants to eat the cereal, make it at home, buy all of the ingredients and make it yourself at home because buying that $10 bag or $15 bag of whatever it is at the grocery store is not going to feed your family the same as just doing it yourself. Well, another option too for busy people is to make freezer meals. Yeah. Um, a lot of us have slow cookers. If you have an instant pot, it usually has a slow cooker function. Um, and it's something that you can do on your day off. You can get incorporate your kids or even your husband um, to start packing bags full of raw meat and things to cook with it. Um, and then you just simply freeze it and you just dump it into your slow cooker the morning of before you leave for work and it's cooked by the time you get home. It's not whole foods from scratch meals don't have to be complicated. It's not something you have to slave over a stove at all for. It just depends on what recipes that you choose to make for your family. Yeah. I think a lot of the intimidation starts with, like you mentioned earlier, Crystal, you just weren't 
taught this. And so it's, it's learning a new skill set that many of us didn't know, you know, we're, yeah, we're never taught. So it, that's intimidating on top of having to care for children and, you know, work and all of that. Now I have to learn how to do this. But what, what we're not realizing is that this is actually an essential life skill. And unfortunately it hasn't been passed down for some of us. Well, and the keys are in our pockets per se for our children. Yeah. So if, if we don't learn the skill, then we are doing our children no better than what we were done. Yeah. Um, we're not equipping our children on how to cook from scratch. We're not equipping, equipping them on recognizing what a processed food is and what the difference between the two things are at all. Um, and so our children will grow up with the same disability per se that we have, which is I have no idea how to cook. I'm totally dependent on the system. I'm totally dependent on the um, grocery stores to provide me in box convenience foods or the drive through. And that's just not a safe place to be um, as far as a society. We need people who know how to grow food. We need people who know the difference between whole food and the difference between organic and non-organic and the importance in all those things. And the best way for our, our kids to learn is hands-on experience with us. And even if we have to learn together, that is something that needs to happen. And it's okay to admit to your kids, I was never taught this. And mommy and you are going to learn together. And this is something that's going to change our lives because it will. Yeah. I love that. All right. So before we leave, um, let's just cover real quick because eggs are so expensive right now. So we wanted to talk about some ideas for meals with no eggs or breakfast with no eggs. And then we also wanted to talk about how can we make the most out of raw milk? So those two, those two grocery items are very, are you know, increasing in price a lot currently, eggs and milk, how can we stretch them or how can we eliminate them and not use them to save on budget? So my suggestion was like sourdough products because a lot of times you don't have to use eggs with those. So um, something that came to my mind was like sourdough English muffins because you can do peanut butter and jelly. You could do butter and jelly um, for breakfast. Um, and then along those same lines, um, sausage and gravy with biscuits. So you could do sour- sourdough biscuits. Um, that doesn't take eggs at all, although you can make a really delicious um, casserole by laying um, sourdough um, biscuits and then putting scrambled eggs on top of it and then dumping the um, gravy on top. If you do have a budget for eggs, that's really, really good. Um, but then like breakfast granola would be another option that's egg-free um, or uh, yogurt with crispy nuts on top. That's another really good idea. And then sourdough cinnamon rolls, which is my kid's favorite. <laughs> of course. Um, I do want to say really quick, when I um, r- run out of eggs for baking, if you're making muffins or something like that, you can use what's called a flax egg um, for things like quick breads. So it's basically just flax, ground flaxseed and hot water, and you do a I think it's a tablespoon of ground flaxseed and then three or two and a half tablespoons of uh, hot water and you mix it up and you let it sit there for a minute or two and it gels and it kind of gets an egg sort of consistency and you can use that in muffins um, to save eggs. I think you can also use applesauce. Yeah. Yes. I have a cousin that's allergic to eggs and you can swap it out with applesauce. I don't know the exact amount, but that's what they did for years. Yeah. Yeah, some a, a few things that we do in our house 
because we don't eat eggs every day are in the winter time, we'll have a root veggie with a breakfast sausage. So either like an acorn squash or a sweet potato or, um, yeah, a squash of some sort. Then we also, we have broth as for breakfast one day a week, again, with like sausage or fruit, um, canned fish, canned fish can be a little more expensive though. At least I haven't found any affordable canned fish. I mean, so that's a little pricier, but, and then you mentioned, yeah, the baked oatmeal. Oh, I recently started using millet instead of oatmeal. I've been experimenting with millet and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I got it from Azure standard also purchased it in bulk. Um, and it's cool because it's a little bit like polenta. So the first time you make it when it's warm, it's almost like a warm, uh, cereal maybe what what is that called like not grits but cream of wheat um, yes yes it's exactly kind of like a cream of wheat but then once it cools it hardens and you can mush it into like a container so I mush it into a square shaped Tupperware glass Tupperware and then I slice it put it in the fridge and like a day or two later when I want to eat it again, I slice it into these really long, thin strips and I fry it in ghee or um, I found that ghee is the best. And it's like crispy and delicious. It's another like really good breakfast side. I don't know. Uh, and then smoothies and <laughs> quesadillas <laughs> can add all sorts of things in quesadillas, lots of leftovers. And you can make your own tortillas. Um and it's, I've found, maybe you, maybe you know more than me, Crystal, but it's way cheaper to buy a massive block of cheese and shred it yourself versus buying cheese that's already pre-shredded. Not only that, pre-shredded cheese will have, um, what's it called? Potato starch in it or some other preservative. Wood yeah. Or wood, wood pulp. They wood put pulp in there yeah. Well. To try. Yes. Yeah. 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 To keep it from caking. Anti-caking agent. That's, that's the mm-hmm. word that I was looking for. So those are some egg-free breakfast ideas. And all right, let's talk about how we can stretch raw milk. So I know $12 a gallon sounds really high, but I decided to uh, think outside of the box on this one. So um, first of all, when you think $12 a gallon for milk, cream is way more expensive. So on the recipes that you make that call for cream, you could technically use milk. Um, and then just thicken it with something like cornstarch or um, cassava flour, arrowroot powder, any of those things to make it into a thicker sauce instead of paying extra for cream. Um, another thing that you can make with $12 a gallon yogurt, uh, milk would be yogurt. Uh, organic yogurt actually costs $24 a gallon when you calculate it out. Um, and if each one of your people at your home eat eight ounces, which is just a cup of yogurt, um, you could have 16 cups of yogurt in a gallon, which then calculates out to only 75 cents a breakfast. So it's actually super cheap when you do that. Um, and then another thing you do with raw milk that's $12 a gallon is make raw milk kefir. Yep. Um, I love serving raw milk kefir with our breakfast instead of raw milk. And the reason why is because, well, it's got probiotics. So it's an amazing probiotic uh, boost for your gut. But also it's nice and thick. So it actually fills your kids up uh, more than a glass of milk would. Yeah, we're really big. Uh, Kiefer fans at our house too. I love it. All right. Anything else? Do we have any other, is there anything else you want to share about budgeting 
or tips or tricks? Let me look back through my notes and see what we skipped over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we covered almost pretty much everything. Yeah. I think That's we got extra. extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We usually do. Yeah. And some extra, we just extra stuff for you to edit. Go in order. That's okay. Okay. All right. So, Crystal, how about um, you give us or give people listening um, a quick overview of um, your YouTube channel and um, wherever else you uh, publish things and where they can find you and what they can expect to find there and where they can connect and whatever. Sure. So I'm only on YouTube. I don't do Twitter or any of the other things. My life is just way too busy for that. Um, so I'm on YouTube. Uh, if you just click into the search bar and type in abundantly blessed homestead, uh, my channel will come up. Um, and I have all sorts of videos up there over 200 videos. Um, my, I've never monetized my channel, so I actually don't make a penny from people watching my videos. Mm. Um, so I just recently opened up a Shopify account and on my latest video titled, uh, important info, sourdough starter, kefir grains and meal plans available. Um, it's just a way that I can make a little bit of money um, to help kind of cushion myself from all of the editing, which I'm sure you ladies understand that, um, that happens with a, a video uh, platform. Um, and so that video has all of the links to all of the uh, meal plans we discussed today. Um, it also has links to buy. Like I said, um, I have an amazing sourdough starter that I've had for over 10 years. Uh, we affectionately call him Frank on the farm, um, and he's amazing. He'll eat you out of house and home if you leave him on the counter, um, and he can rise a sourdough bread loaf twice uh, in under eight hours. So he just really powers through everything. Um, I also have raw kefir greens I can ship to people. Those are all um, in my Shopify store, and all the links are in the latest video. Um and then as far as videos that are up there, I have everything um, from, uh, we do live cooking classes every Tuesday night at 5.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, and this is just where I make a kid-approved meal. Um, some of them take a little bit more time than others, um, but just to kind of show people that cooking doesn't have to be hard. Um, and um, I usually typically make a meal out of my cookbook. Well, sometimes anyway, sometimes I try and take a processed recipe and swap it out. Um, so that the, it's like nutrient dense, but it's a recipe that people recognize. Um, that was one of my struggles in the beginning was like, how do you go from eating processed food to eating all this nutrient dense food? Because it just seems so foreign. And so what I try to do is take, um, processed food type meals and make them nourishing. And so that's what we do live on Tuesday night at 5.15 PM central standard time for that cooking class. But I also have a ton of videos. I have a complete guide to soaking and fermenting beans is up there on the channel. Um, there's just so much information up there. Um, have a little bit of farming, not much, because um, we do raise our own food. So I have a couple of videos up on how to raise your own meat chickens. Um, but a majority of the channel is proper preparation of grains and then meal ideas, snack ideas, homemade Cheez-Its, uh, homemade granola bars, all those sort of things. Um, and a lot of the recipes on the channel, I have written a cookbook and that cookbook is available um, in my Shopify store. And a lot of the um, recipes that are up on my YouTube channel are in that cookbook, plus a whole bunch of other family secrets. Um, I originally started writing the cookbook for my kids, and then more and more people were interested, so I ended up publishing. So all of that's up there, but I'm not on any other social media other than YouTube. Where did you say, just because I'm on the YouTube channel right now, where did you say you can find the Shopify store again okay so it's in the latest um the latest the last video i posted yesterday it's called important info i believe it's sourdough starter kefir grains and meal plans available oh yeah i see it okay 
Got it. So if you click on that and it'll start to load. And then in the description box below the video is where I put all the links. Okay. Awesome. So I'll make sure to also put that in the show notes. I'm really excited about this, uh, the cheese it and the, what else did you say? Granola bar. Yeah, there's That's granola nice. bars. Um, there's also uh, one of my recipes that made it onto the Weston A. Price website on there. It's called crispy liver chips. Sounds really gross. It's actually like raw liver, um, but you're making it into like a crispy tortilla chip. And let me tell you, you follow my directions in there and it does not taste like beef liver at all. Mm. Um, I also have a dairy-free uh, nacho cheese sauce video up there. Um, and if you dip those chips in the nacho cheese sauce, you're going to think you're eating blue corn tortilla chips. It's absolutely amazing. That's so funny. I, I'm not a YouTube person at all. And now I'm, I'm going to have to I'm gonna be <laughs> spending all my time watching your videos, Crystal. I've converted you. <laughs> that happens a lot, actually. I have a lot of people who will comment on my video and they're like, oh my gosh, I just found you. I just spent like six hours watching your video. I'm totally subscribed. <laughs> And it's just funny. I'm not doing it. Um, I originally just started just to help people and mm -hmm. I've never monetized my channel because I feel like, um, I'm preaching against, um, what, what is common in our society. Yeah. And so I don't want people to be able to say I'm doing this for money. Um, because I've never made a sense. And I also don't want YouTube to own me. They, they still have taken down some of my videos that I talk about raw milk or healing. Um, sometimes I have to use weird lingo to get some of my videos, oh my but, um, <laughs> Basically, yeah. Sign language. Um, I've held up like pieces of paper before that said raw on it. So I wouldn't have to say raw milk. They cut my live one time because I was talking about raw milk. So oh um, basically, I try to be a good girl. So my videos stay up. But um, there's a ton of videos on there for everything. So. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. And also, just in case... Um, yeah, just to reiterate, she, Crystal, is also a Weston A. Price co-chapter leader in South Dakota. So uh, we will make sure to link that information. So if you're near her, you can definitely get some resources from her. And yeah. And if people have questions, I do have an email that's linked to my YouTube. I don't, I'm really bad about putting it in every description box. But that email is A, the letter B as in boy, homestead. 22 at gmail.com and I get emails there almost on a daily basis with questions. I'm more than happy to help whoever I can. Um, be patient with me. Some days I don't get right back to you because <laughs> I do have a farm and five kids, um, but I will eventually get back to you um, and I can send you resources. That's part of my job as a chapter leader is to try to help you, point you towards um, making your journey easier. And I'm totally willing to, to help you with that and also give you links to other videos that are on my channel because I didn't, what, didn't realize how many videos I had. And so I would just tell people, oh, just keep on scrolling. And so one day I went to go scroll myself and I said, oh, my gosh, I have over 200 videos on here. No wonder people don't want to scroll. I wouldn't either. Um, so anyway, I am totally willing to send links to videos to whoever is looking for a specific video that can't find it um, after a quick search. So that's a great email to get a hold of me. Perfect. Awesome. All right. I think we're mm -hmm. good. I think we're covered. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Crystal. Yeah, no problem. I can't wait to hear how your fermented it. stuff turns out. You guys are going to start fermenting your rice and your beans. I see it already. Yeah, we, we need a decent amount of rice in our home, so I'm definitely going to start fermenting it. Just make sure you grab the brown rice. And if you're worried about um, arsenic, 
Um, what was it? I just read this the other day. I don't know if it's putting salt in there. I'll have to look it up. Oh. Shoot me an email and say, hey, what about the arsenic? Well, okay. There's no, I know. I, I just saw something about that too recently. Um, rinsing it though helps like a lot, like 75% apparently rinsing it, but also buying it from California. California grown organic rice has less arsenic than rice from other places. It had something to do with the soaking though. And now I'm not going to be able to remember it. I just don't worry about it. I just, I don't know. I, I soak and ferment everything. So I figure it's soaking for so long that it's going to, and the rinsing too is going to alleviate a lot of whatever's on it or in it. You can only do so much. So you just do the best. You yeah. Can. I, I was kind of going to end on that note. <laughs> do the best you can and soak and ferment it all at once. And it's a lot easier. I still have beans. I soaked and fermented probably four months ago in the bottom of my freezer. Just found it yesterday because I'm having a whole hog come tomorrow. Ooh. And so I dug down to the bottom. I was like, Ooh, fermented navy beans. Didn't know I had that still. <laughs> that a little Christmas. I found um, pig ears in my fridge recently. But they're like not huh? edible at this point. They were in the freezer. I'm not fridge, freezer. They were in the freezer far too long and they're just like so freezer burned. But Ooh, yikes. so I think yeah. the chickens might get some some pig yeah. ears as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> and just so you know, with the chickens, I don't know if you know how to mix your own feed, but I do have videos up on the channel on how to do that. It's not very hard how I save a lot of money on my chicken feed and I know exactly the ingredients that's in it. Yeah. And I've um, heard that fermenting so chicken feed is also the same. It's the same deal. Like it, you use less. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. We have not started doing that yet. I got a video on that too. Not to tempt you, but I do. <laughs> it's just a simple, it's just a simple um, three day soak in a five gallon bucket with apple cider vinegar. Yeah. yeah we should. But, um, it's totally that. worth it. You can totally cut your feed costs down. I cut mine almost in half. My husband is the one that handles that. So maybe if mm -hmm. I just like keep sending him the videos. I was about to there say, just, <laughs> yeah, just send him Crystal's video. Be like, hey, babe. Look. Hey, you need to check this chick out. She's got a lot of good ideas. Yeah. Go. <laughs> we could save money. He's He'll love that. that that'll be his ticket. That, yeah. yeah, that is his thing. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review and hit subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. And uh, yeah, send us a DM if you have any questions or episode requests. All right. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Corey and I wanted to record a little blurb at the end of our episode with Crystal because we had spent some time listening to the episode and then going through and looking at her specific numbers broken down, and we felt it would be helpful to clarify the numbers a little bit further. So Crystal's analysis assumes that the measure to beat is purchasing the conventional rice aroni. And... While there, there are massive benefits to buying in bulk when you purchase in bulk, either in organic or non-organic, and with making your own meal from scratch. So we pretty much all agree on that. And the initial comparison and her claim was that you could replicate a similar recipe with organic ingredients and still have a lower all-in cost for the meal. Right. So 
while that may have been true at the time of the um, the thing that she wrote for the Weston Price Foundation Journal, which came out a couple months ago, or maybe last month. Anyway, um, the recent price action of food price increases, especially in the organic sphere, has caused that benefit to erode. Most of the cost benefits present in the initial or presented in the initial analysis for organic food were actually driven by the bulk purchases and not by the organic price. So we can make the um, her price comparison the chart available, but you can also get it on the Weston A. Price website. Um, so there is a um, this difference is um, cooking the meal with organic ingredients that are purchased in bulk was cheaper than purchasing the rice aroni serving, but it's not cheaper than replicating the recipe with non-organic ingredients also purchased in bulk. So when comparing specific ingredients in bulk with conventional ingredients in bulk, we've found that ingredient organic ingredients tend to be around 50% more expensive than their conventional counterparts. And this is adjusting for the per ounce unit price. So we just wanted to give you guys a bit of clarification on this episode because we are it is really important to us to serve our listeners well and to um, bring you the best and clearest information possible so that you can make the best choices when you're feeding your family, when you're um, using your food dollars. Thank you guys for listening. Um, and we hope that this episode is helpful. We hope that um, you'll continue to listen and um, stay tuned for some more budgeting episodes coming out with really great uh, guests. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Modern Ancestral Mamas. Check out the show notes for the resources. You can find Christine on Instagram at nourishthelittles and online at nourishthelittles.com. You can find Corey on Instagram at fornutrientsake and online at fornutrientsake.com. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Ancestral Mamas. The information contained in this show is for informational purposes only. It should not be intended as medical advice and should not replace your relationship with your healthcare practitioner.